Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Ephesians. Today's episode 618, look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Let's read our passage. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ, and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. This is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Paul's imprisoned in Rome, and he's sending this letter via Tychicus, who's on his way to Colossae. He's stopping at Ephesus on his way and leaving this letter for the church in Ephesus. Paul's trying to encourage the church, help them understand what a amazing thing has happened in the opening of the gospel to Gentiles. It was like he started a prayer in chapter 3, verse 1, then he cut it off and then started an oh, by the way, where he talked about being a prisoner on behalf of the Gentiles. And it's like, well, let me say something about Gentiles for a minute. So he's talking about the grace of God being revealed to Gentiles. He'll pick up and actually start the real prayer next time in verse 14. So verse 8, he's continuing. It says, This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. So this grace, he's talking about the grace of Christ, the opportunity for Gentiles to know God through Christ. This grace was given to me, Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. He refers to himself as the least of all the saints. In Corinthians, he had called himself the least of the apostles. Here he calls himself the least of all the saints. You have to look and say, well, is this really sincere, or is he just kind of laying it all kind of thick? I think he is sincere here. As you really think about Paul, and Paul does, we first see Paul persecuting the church. And when Christ appears to him on the road to Damascus, He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He doesn't say persecuting my followers. He doesn't say persecuting my church. He says persecuting me. That made it very clear to Saul, now known as Paul, that he was persecuting Christ. And now Christ has appointed him as his ambassador, his primary spokesman to the Gentile world, which is a lot of people, basically everybody who's not Jewish is Gentile, and that's the rest of the world. And Paul's the primary spokesman appointed to represent the message of God to these people. That's a pretty big deal. So Paul, I think, has a large bit of humility here. Paul can be pretty bold at times, but compared to what he was, to what Christ has now taken, the one who persecuted him, and made him his primary spokesman, that's evident of the grace of God, this grace given to me. 
Now the word gets translated least, it's uh, literally less than least. So it's, it's not just least, it's lower than least. And this grace to proclaim to the Gentiles. Now the word gets translated as proclaim, I mean, that's what it means, but it, the, the word is interesting. The, the word that gets translated as gospel is euangelion. U, E-U, means good. Angelion means message. That's where we get the word angel, because angels are messengers. And so you angelion just means good message or good news. That's why we call the gospel good news. In fact, gospel is from Old English, means good news. And the word that gets translated proclaim here is the verb form of euangelion. It's euangelizo, which means bring good news. So that's what it is to bring the good news, is to proclaim the good news, or just proclaim. And then the context says what he's proclaiming. But it's interesting, the uh, proclaim is just the verb form of gospel. So this was his grace, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ. The riches that are available here are beyond calculation. And it's for the Gentiles. Same riches that are for the Jews, but now it's for the Gentiles also. Verse 9. And to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery, hidden for ages in God who created all things. He mentioned that back in chapter 3, verse 2. You've heard about the administration of God's grace. He gave me for me the mystery that was made known to me by revelation. He's talking about the administration of the mystery. Now, what is the mystery? The mystery is that Gentiles can be reconciled with God. It's been hidden. Nobody saw that coming. It caught everybody by surprise. When Peter went to Cornelius' house and everyone came to faith in Christ and were filled with the Holy Spirit, I mean, Peter couldn't really believe it until God proved it by filling them with the Holy Spirit before his very eyes. And then he got called back to Jerusalem to explain, what, what do you think you're doing down there, Peter? He says, yeah, I'm just following God here. And they came to faith and the Holy Spirit filled them just like he did us. And so God had to basically drag them into it. Nobody would have dreamed this could happen. So this is why Paul refers to it as the mystery hidden for ages in God. Nobody saw this coming, but now it's revealed. And he adds, God who created all things. I think it's just adding to you know, the majesty of God. Some think he might be adding it to maybe push off a little bit of Gnostic thinking that might be in the area. And we see that in the letter to the Colossians, and Colossians is only 100 miles away, so there might be some of oh, that kind of thinking sneaking around in Ephesus too. And their idea is that the Creator and the Redeemer cannot be the same person. Verse 10, this is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. So God's multifaceted wisdom, well, God's wisdom is beyond our understanding. It is multifaceted. and so, But that's being revealed to the rulers and authorities on the heavens. We've seen before, the, when he talks about rulers and authorities, he's talking about heavenly beings. 
He's talking about angelic beings here. Now, is he referring to fallen angels or just all angels? Fallen and not fallen. I think he's just talking widespread to every one of these heavenly beings, these angelic beings. This is being revealed to them. In Peter's letter, 1 Peter, he makes a comment about the angels in verse 12. He was talking about the prophets and that God was revealing things through the prophets. And he says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Now, that, that phrase, angels long to catch a glimpse of these things, it's hard to determine exactly what he means, but the sense is basically, angels stand around scratching their heads saying, wow, that's interesting. I think it goes along with this, is that what God is doing with the church is revealing things even to the angels. Now, when we first read this, it says this wisdom may be known through the church to the rulers. It almost sounds like the church is supposed to be preaching to the angels. I don't think that's what he means at all. I think what he's saying is that what God is doing with the church is demonstrating to the angels his wisdom. And one way to think about this is the church is the beginning, the example of what God is doing with this cosmic reconciliation. And we see the prophecy of that in Revelation of the, the reconciliation of all things, the all things being made new, new heaven and new earth. And, and the church is the beginning of that. You're having people reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. This reconciliation of all things, which is beginning in the church. And the angels are standing there with their mouth hanging open, saying, Wow! Verse 11. This is according to his eternal purpose, accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's just saying that this is God's plan. God's plan all along, his eternal plan, and he's making it happen with Jesus Christ. Then verse 12, he says, In him we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So in him, meaning Christ, we have boldness and confident access. Access to the Father. Prior to coming to Christ, we don't have access to God. It's only through Christ that we have access to God. It's boldness and confident access. It sounds like the, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 4.16. He's talking about what Christ has done for us. And he says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so we receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. This idea that we can confidently, with boldness, approach God. Where before we had no access to God, but through Christ we do. Verse 13, so then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are for your glory. Some people might be thinking, I'm a little theory about calling Paul our champion. He's in jail, and he's a, a criminal. But Paul's saying, it's all for you that this has all happened. It's for, for your benefit, and because of what I have done, with the ministry to the Gentiles, you guys now have access to God. 
So don't fret over me being in jail. Instead, celebrate that you know the Lord. So Paul's taking this little side route here as he's beginning his prayer, recounting what it is that God has done for the Gentiles through Christ, through Paul's ministry, that now this mystery that no one would have ever dreamed this was coming, Gentiles can know God, be reconciled with God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Ephesians.